Abner Marez is a world champion boxer, an Olympian, a sports commentator, and let's be clear, most importantly, a father to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is pro at entertaining the world both in and outside of the ring. That is why, on Blue Wire's newest podcast, On the Hook with Abner Marez, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him into the boxer and the man he is. They chat about things like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ, sports, music, culture, family life. Seriously, this is going to be a phenomenal show. I am so excited to get into it. I have not had a chance to yet, and this is already the first thing on my list. So feel free to make this part of your daily routine. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish will be out on Wednesdays. So make sure you check out On the Hook with Abner Mares, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Hello and welcome in to a new first off-season edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. As you guys know, the Denver Nuggets are now out of the playoffs. The finals are now over. The Los Angeles Lakers, who the Nuggets obviously lost to in the Western Conference Finals, have been crowned the NBA champion throughout what was honestly one of, you know, arguably the most chaotic season in NBA history. So now that it's all over, it is time to reset, readjust, and start looking towards the future and what the Denver Nuggets might need to do going forward to be able to take that next step into true NBA title contention. To do this, we did something kind of cool, and I say we because Ryan Blackburn of Denver Stiffs and the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network, we did essentially a two-part podcast where we spoke for two full hours. The first hour is on the Denver Stiffs show. Go follow or go subscribe to the Denver Stiffs podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Go check it out on denverstiffs.com. It's also on Ryan Blackburn's Twitter account, at NBA Blackburn, so you can listen to part one of this podcast there. So make sure you start there. You're going to hear me say that after the break when we start the second part, which was recorded for my show, which you will hear in about five minutes. So lots of stuff covered. We covered 10 total topics. We did two hours and it was each of us going back and forth. It was a very much so stream of consciousness kind of podcast. But if you're looking to kind of touch on a bunch of different narratives that exist around the Denver Nuggets and how it could potentially be concerning for them, this is the podcast for you. So go follow at NBA Blackburn. Go subscribe to the Denver to the Denver Stiffs podcast. Go subscribe to all the of the Denver Stiffs podcast network. They do a bunch of different stuff over there. And make sure you listen to part one first because we got into a bunch of stuff there. But Without further ado, we are going to get into our first break so that we can dive in and actually start to discuss everything. And I say everything, I mean everything, because there is a lot going on for this coming offseason for the Denver Nuggets. You're going to hear about um, Indeed here coming up. Thank you to Indeed for supporting the show, as well as Bet Online, who you will hear from after the first, uh, after the second part of this two-part episode that I'm doing with Ryan Blackburn. So, without any further ado, we're going to take our first quick break, tell you about Indeed, and I will be back on the other end with Ryan Blackburn of Denver Stiffs. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important now than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools that make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you are looking for, just like they have done for over three million businesses. So, Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners of this podcast a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer you can find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply. Offer is valid through December 31st. And welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. This is part two of a two-part episodic podcast that I am doing with good friend Ryan Blackburn of Denver Stiffs. Go to the Denver Stiffs podcast. Go listen to part one before you do this. Literally delete this. Go away right now and go back to the Denver <laughs> Stiffs people and go listen to that part first. Okay? Wanted to make that incredibly clear. Ryan, please, please say hello and tell them where to find part one. Hello, everyone. I wel- welcome in. This is going to be a Denver Stiff <laughs> You're Show episode. You're so much episode. nicer than me when I, you lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try. I do my best. Uh, we're going to have Denver Stiff's show. Uh, the part one of this episode with TJ is going to be on the Denver Stiff's podcast network. So you can either find that on the site or find it at Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you find your, your Denver Stiff's show feed. And, and we'll just go from there. Uh, TJ, what's going on, man? I, I am drinking coffee. I have been inhaling it as we have been talking. We are about to move in now to our next five topics because as everybody who awesomely listened in part one on the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network, we are talking about our biggest concerns and or just narratives surrounding the offseason. And we have now hit five that we have already talked about on the Denver Stiffs Podcast, which is um, not going into the tax, creating sustainable defense, the future foursome of the Denver Nuggets in terms of Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and the development of young players, Michael Porter Jr., Bol Bol, and P.J. Dozier, and how they could impact this season next year. So if you want to hear anything about all of those topics that we had already touched on, go back to Denver Stiffs. Go away. Go back. Very important stuff. <laughs> but it is now time for us to move on. I got three more left. You got two more left. So I'm going to start this out. I have no idea what your last ones are, so we might overlap. I'm not sure. But my next thing, the next most important thing in my eyes is finding more consistent shooting. The three-point shooting disappearing arbitrarily on a team that has Nikola fucking Jokic on it is mind-boggling to me, and I don't understand how that is even a possibility at this stage of development in the Denver Nuggets. So they need to find shooters. I don't give a shit how you find them. They need a actual legitimate knockdown shooters on the roster going forward. So it's going to be interesting to see where they where they pivot here. We we think that they have one. We think that they have like at least in addition to two, Jamal yeah. Murray and Nikola yeah. Jokic, like like those two guys are going to be there. And we think that they have Michael Porter Jr., who is going to step in as a catch and shoot guy, as a guy who can pull up from three, as a guy who can shoot in a lot of different ways and has kind of a versatile shot profile as opposed yeah. to just somebody who's going to catch and shoot. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. There's like we we are just scratching the surface. I think with what Michael Porter Jr. is going to mean to what this Nuggets offense is going to look like going forward, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the different dynamics. Like in in the first episode, we talked about how is Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic going to impact with what are how are they going to look next to Michael Porter Jr. How are they going to interact with him on the court? What is this going to look like? I think it's gonna there's going to be some overlap. There's gonna like when all three of those guys are going to be on the floor. Porter's role is probably going to be less when one of those guys is on the floor. Porter's role is probably going to be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And when neither of those guys are on the floor and Porter's on the floor, that's probably when he's going to be the first option in a lot of cases. And they're going to try to figure out how to work best with all three of those different scenarios. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they integrate what we think is a, like I, I genuinely believe that Michael Porter Jr. is a, not a generational shooter, but one of the best shooters in the league. He, yeah, he's like, if there is any tier right below transcendent shooter, he's in that category. Like, yeah. I don't think it's funny. I, had, I was talking to Matt Moore on the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, probably like, I think it was game six. And we were just like, Mag- it just, it's just magnificent to watch Michael Porter Jr. shoot a basketball. Like, it is truly a glorious sight to watch. And he's that special. But 
even with how good he is, if the Nuggets run it back, literally the same roster, do they have enough shooting to to at least make it back to the Western Conference Finals next season? I think so. I think that if they just run it back, I think it's going to like. I think it's it's important to like figure out what that means. Like, is is Will Barton going to be back involved with things? Assume that he's going to be in. in this the is everybody who's healthy, and they yeah. come back with the same dudes that they had this year, which is on the table because they have bird rights for all of them. Then yes, I think it's definitely possible. I think Monte Morris proved that he can shoot in the playoffs. It's it's mm-hmm. that's that was a big thing from this from this off season or from this playoff run is that he actually he had some confidence going to him he had some ability to shoot uh jeremy grant he only shot 33 percent of the playoffs but i think a lot of that was because of the overall strain he had for the entirety of it if he's asked to do just a little bit less just a little bit like maybe they add one like or or will barton is there so like he can take on a little bit of other creation role and like they'll, they'll have other guys that they can trust in that capacity i think the hill his percentage is going to go up I think that Will Barton, if he's there, he's a 37% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a guy who, if you just add that to the rotation, all all boats rise to the top. So they're going to add some additional shooters to their roster, and Bull Bull is another guy who they <laughs> – yeah. If you're talking about shooters, you're talking about guys who could maybe have some internal improvements of shooting. He's one. This is why I'm so happy to ask you this question because like you have a level of faith that I just don't always have in things until I see them. Like you just have a well, willingness to believe. You know, you know why that is? Is because I was the one a who cynical shithead. <laughs> I, I was the one who said, oh, you, yeah, Jamal Murray's going to be fucking good. Yeah. Like, like he is going yeah. to be very good. And, and I, I was, you and Harrison were on that from day one. It, it just felt, it just, I, I just kind of got the vibe that, hey, he's a, he's a competitive player. He is a talented player. He showed that he could do this. It's just about putting it together. and It doesn't always happen. But like, is he the exception or is he the trend? Like, that's the part that always fascinates me about looking at players in a cultural setting. Because we're talking about the Denver Nuggets player development here. That's essentially what we're talking about. That we trust them and the combination of the kind of person the Nuggets would be willing to draft would lead to consistency behind the player development despite the volatile nature of said skill sets. Is that an exception or is that actually able to become a part of the fabric of your organization? I'm going to answer your question with a question. Great. Let's Um, do it. I want you to rank the talent of Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Bol Bol. The talent. The talent uh, Nikola level. Jokic is number one. Okay. That's that's unquestioned for me. Michael Porter Jr. is number two for me only because of the size difference. That is okay. specifically the only reason. I'm taking Jamal Murray over Bol Bol, but that does not mean that they're not in the same tier of potential talent level. Again, the the how willing you're you're willing to invest into believing in that is very up for debate. But in terms of just ceiling potential, they're about at the same level for me. And the fact that you just said that, the fact that you just put Michael Porter Jr. ahead of Jamal mm-hmm. Murray, I think that's why I have faith. I think I, I think everybody sees the talent. Everybody sees it working together. And I think there's a path for all four of those players to have a significant role. In <laughs> that's Denver. the part that will be crazy. Because like I don't see a scenario in which you can play the four that you originally talked about on part one, which included Jeremy Grant, and somehow also add Bull Bull to that mixture. Like You have to start... Like, are they, are they going to go big bowl? Let's talk about this. Let's get really weird here for a second. <laughs> Can the Nuggets usher in a new revolution of dynamic, versatile basketball surrounded around bigs? Can they start Michael Porter Jr. at the two? Can they start Jeremy Grant at the three? And can they start Bull Bull at the four around Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic? Is that possible? I, I Look, when they started five centers in yeah. the bubble like anything became possible after that like like That's how i just felt, literally could do anything yeah. uh so i i i don't I don't know if that's the direction that they would end up going. I think that you'd probably stagger those minutes in order to make sure that not all of those guys are playing at the same time but they're all playing a lot uh but like can bull bull play twenty five minutes off the bench like if assuming he's i mean assuming he's healthy like like it just i i Ignore this. Ignore it for a second. So say <laughs> Porter Porter's playing 30 plus, Grant's playing 30 plus, Jokic is playing 30 plus. Can Bull pick up some minutes at backup center, backup power forward, backup small forward? 
not enough to get to that number, not to get to 25, I don't think. That's why I start to yeah, have the see, discussion. I think that you can. But I, I mean, you're talking could. about playing a seven-man rotation in January. <laughs> That's crazy hey, to me. The Raptors do it. Yeah, but again, the Raptors burnt out in the playoffs this year. <laughs> like, so, we watched this happen. But that's the thing is that like I think I think once you get into like once you talk about upgrades once you talk about the ability to put the best talent on the floor as possible like you may not play bull bull twenty five minutes a game in the regular season like he may he may hit that threshold a couple of times like maybe yeah. twice like I think Michael Porter Jr. only hit it like twice in the in the regular yeah. season and then he was playing that pretty consistently in the playoffs like he averaged twenty four minutes a night. Um, I think there is at least a pathway for them to give Bull Bull a couple of opportunities in the regular season. I mean, you you said it yourself that hey, he's yeah. going to have his opportunities to play. I just don't think it'll be twenty five minutes. I think you're talking yeah twelve to eighteen kind of stretches from him. But even if you do that, getting back to the initial question, how much better of a shooter is Bull Bull than Mason Plumley? Oh, I mean, well, that's that's not even a conversation. Like, they don't even exist on the same stratosphere. Like, they are so far from each other in terms of shot making ability. And that's what I'm talking about here. Is there I are absolutely ways that the Nuggets can be back as a championship caliber contender, and say like they they don't have to change that much. They just have to trust the talent and trust the ability for them to develop their players. And Michael Porter Jr. is one of those guys. Bull Bull is one of those guys. P.J. Dozier is one of those guys. If you, if you at least give them an opportunity, I think you're going to be happy with it. I think depending on Bull Bull to be a bench shot maker puts you in an incredibly sketchy position. That's the one thing that I get concerned about is that, okay, Michael Porter Jr. in this, re- in this you know, hypothetical world is starting. Uh, Will Barton and or Gary Harris. Whichever one isn't starting at the two is going to be on the bench unit. If it's Gary, there's no shooting still. If I, I don't know if you have uh, Gary is I, I am literally the final person on Gary Harris Island and I'm the first one to say that Gary Harris's shot is just not here. I don't well, know what happened to him. Well, here's gone. what I, here's what I'll say though is that once you once you put Bulbul into the rotation as a backup big, let's say he plays the four and let's say you bring back Paul Millsap to play backup five. But Paul Millsap played like eight minutes of backup five all year this year. Like, I don't anticipate the Nuggets being like, now is the time. Like, that's not happening. They had all year to do Maybe. that. <laughs> well, they, but they, but they started him at power forward. They said that this yeah. is what we want to do. And that that's, that's just how they're like, if you remember one of their best stretches of the season was right before the all-star break was when mm-hmm. he came back and was the backup five off the bench. And Mason Plumlee had a hurt ankle. I talked to Monte mm-hmm. Morris and I asked him about playing small and he said how much more he liked it. I will never forget that moment from the season. And so I think the front office and the coaching staff and the players I think they all acknowledge that too, is that there, there are at least opportunities for them to space the floor a little bit more, for yes. them to get a little bit more shooting on the floor. And when you factor in Bull Bull, if you bring back Paul Millsap, like Paul Millsap, his best skill this past year was as a pick and pop big. He was yeah, unbelievable as a pick and pop big. And so like you, you put that into the equation, you put Bull Bull into the equation there, and I think you still have enough shooting on the bench unit in order to make things work no matter what. So wait, so quickly, uh, Paul Millsap, Bull Bull as a backup front court is actually fascinating, but we'll get to mm-hmm. that a little bit later. Regardless mm-hmm. of that point, you need one of, if not two of, Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton, or Michael Porter Jr. coming off, or Bull Bull. Sorry, you just said <laughs> I know, I know. I caught myself. I'm sorry. Michael <laughs> Porter Jr., Will Barton, or Bull Bull coming off of the bench to give you consistent, reliable shooting for it not to be an issue. That is where I am currently at because you're not going to get it from Monte. He's a good shooter. He is not a knockdown threat. Same with PJ, same with Paul, all of those guys. There is a name that is out there that I cannot get out of my head, and it's Danilo Gallinari. You need to bring this level of a shooter onto your team because – what has made not only Miami and Boston and the Bucks all good teams, it's having these plethora of wings who can literally do everything. Danilo Gallinari is ideal in this sense of we don't have to rely on Bobo anymore. Michael Porter Jr., if he struggles, we have an ideal replacement who plays very similarly to him that we can just drop into the lineup ready to go. You want to blend a small or a big bench unit back into the starting group? Whichever one it is, Danilo Gallinari fits. There is 
a level of shot making that he brings that the Nuggets cannot acquire by just standing pat. And I think that you need to get to that level to truly contend at a true level to win an NBA title. So uh, Danilo Gallinari is the name that is not going to escape my brain at this point. So I, I do... And I acknowledge that that is a big talent upgrade that I think is a really good idea. The Nuggets should at least explore the possibility. However, is shooting a bigger need for them than a big man who can guard Anthony Davis? That It's funny you say that. The next thing on my list, other than finding more shooters, is figuring out a counter for Anthony Davis. So this is my okay. thing. I, I've, I've tried to juggle this. Do you try and be yourself or do you try and build your team to counter an individual player? This is one of the most difficult decisions for a front office member to decide. I think the Nuggets need to buy in on themselves. I, I, I do think you need to have some idea of a counter on your roster for Anthony Davis. But I think the hope is, is that you just kill whatever center they try and play to keep Anthony Davis from playing center to the point that you can force Davis to center and then punish him for doing so. That's the only way that they're going to be able to counter Anthony Davis because you're not going to be able to sign anybody who's good enough to be able to actually counter him with where they're at. Yeah, I think you can get a couple of interesting options. No, I, I don't think that, but more than interesting options, like like they're, that's all it's ever going to be is, mm-hmm. is, is a possibility. So this is why internal improvements is always going to be the route that I think you're going to want to take. But it's not the only route. It's not the only, like, I think there are still, the MLE, is something that you do to kind of fill out a roster. It's, it's, yeah. it's something that it's, it's not going to be the main priority for you. So if you could get Danilo Gallinari for the MLE, I think you'd be pretty happy with Which that. you definitely, it's like 9.8 million projected, yeah. 9.3, somewhere in yeah. that realm. 9.3, yeah. The, yeah, so the idea of giving somebody $18.6 million over two years at the end of their career to come back home to where they like to live makes a ton of sense as a contender. It really, really does. And not only that, the Nuggets had their biannual exception this year. They can sign Millsap for two years, $6, 7000000 million, whatever mm-hmm. the heck the biannual, I think it's 3.4. But again, oh, all no, these numbers they, are subject to change. But They don't have to, they don't have to use the BAE to bring in Millsap because know, they have his bird rights. But again, so if they could, wanted, they could even add somebody else if they wanted to. And so that's their, their they're going to run out of roster spaces eventually if they decide to money using bird rights. Yes. So, like, my idea is like, okay, they're not going to use all these things. They're going to eventually decide dudes using the exceptions. But mm-hmm. I do think that there is a very real circumstance where you re sign Jeremy Grant, you bring in Danilo Gallinari at the MLE, and then you start signing dudes using bird rights and your extra exceptions and vet minimums to finish the roster roster that is idealistic in my sense in adding enough shooting again that's where the basis of this conversation is beginning is you can go get a guy like aaron baines on the vet minimum to play backup center and shoot the ball a little bit or myers leonard and you can bring in danilo gallinari and you can sign paul Millsap, and you can run it back okay so let's talk about this then because i think i think i think do you want to talk like i, I want yeah, to talk about this is my favorite M- idea about the future M- of the denver nuggets next season mle targets MLE guys who, like, I think, how do you use that money? How do you use that ability to add while over the cap? And and there's there's only so much, like, there's only, you can only use it on one player. You and there's not very many player. guys out there there's to get. many guys. So is the prospect of adding to your strength, of, of being a very capable shooting team, a perimeter-oriented, but also can go on the interior and, it's, it's a little bit of a guarding against if Michael Porter Jr. doesn't necessarily perform at the beginning. Uh, it's a good idea. It's a really good idea, and I think that's probably the best thing for their talent level. Is that more valuable than bringing in Serge Ibaka? I personally say no because Serge Ibaka has taken a large step backwards. He's aging like Paul Millsap is aging. I don't think like he's Oh, no, still- he is. He's not the same guy on the perimeter recovering. He just on, isn't. On defense, I think, I think you're right. Okay, that's fine. And again, for the price that, so I have Ibaka on my list. I'm writing about free agent potential guys right now. Ibaka's on the list listed as probably cost too much for the production that he brings. That's where I view him. Okay. Because he he averaged 16 and 8 off the bench mm-hmm. and I think shot a really high percentage from shot three. Like 42 from three or something like that, yeah. Yeah. He, but he's Millsap shot 42 from three this year, so. Yeah, it's it's a different it's a different type of shooting. Like I I, I think that Millsap's less willing and, and yeah. Serge Ibaka was definitely more. Uh, but okay. So if it's not him, Derek so, Favors. So I have Derek Favors on my list too. Uh, reached yeah. out to people in New Orleans. Uh, from what I was told, his numbers look so good just because he was the only legitimate big on the roster. 
there's a lot of noise and again listed under the cost more than the production dictates in my eyes that's where i'm at with Derek favors as well but in terms of losing paul Millsap and bringing someone back on the mle he makes a lot of sense okay He's at least an option. And I think it, if he's a guy that maybe maybe you throw him on Anthony Davis for a few possessions and he's he's okay. But I, I have heard, and you've probably heard something similar, that, that his knees are going a little bit quickly. Yeah. He's and and his, ability to, his ability to stick on the perimeter with a guy that's a dynamic athlete like Davis is probably, it's probably waning a little bit. Yeah. Third I have option is Derek favors out for myself. Like I don't think okay. he's a great fit. But again, he's on the list, so that's fine. Third option is Tristan Thompson. I have him on my list as well. I like Tristan Thompson as a backup big on this team. I really, really like the idea of Tristan Thompson to be your backup four or five, whether Bull Bull works or not. It makes so much sense to me, especially with his improving three point shot. I really, really do believe that Tristan Thompson's a great idea as an ad. I think he's a good idea, and I, I I think he averaged 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 39% from three. Although, look, he only attempted 23 threes. I know. So let's let's not. I know. I, know. He's I, not I, I don't want to blow it out of proportion. A growing three point shot. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, he is he is a dunker spot candidate who yeah. if you if he takes a who will go to the corner sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but he's at least a guy who's capable of playing some consistent defense against some of the best talents in the NBA. And that's what you're looking for is you're not necessarily looking for a guy who raises the floor. You're raising the ceiling. You're finding the, the final piece here. Does Danilo Gallinari raise their ceiling more than Tristan Thompson? Yes. Unquestionably for me, like that's not even a debate in my mind. No, no, it's not even close. No, backup Why? centers don't impact games like wings do. It's just like but he's not just a backup center. Fact, but he is fundamentally a backup center when you have Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic eat soaked up 36 minutes a night. Like he's not gonna be playing that much. Danilo Gallinari represents so much more for this Nuggets team than Tristan Thompson can add. And this is the other thing I wanted to add to this conversation is Tristan Thompson, Norlands Noel, Myers, Leonard, Willie Cauley, Stein, Alex Len, Aaron Baines, all these guys that we can talk about as potential backup uh, big men, they're all going to be cheaper than the MLE. And if you can't get one of them, Cheaper than the MLE, you're going to find another one. This is not a requirement of the mid-level exception to find a backup big. I think you can do both, and that's where I think the Nuggets really have something cooking. Yeah, I just I I have a couple of problems with that, and the reason why is because I don't consider Tristan Thompson as just a backup like center. I think he's a guy who could play with Nikola Jokic. And when you have that. a guy who could play with Nikola Jokic, he's not just a backup center anymore. He's a like he's he's filling more of a Kenneth Fareed role or a <laughs> or a Derek Favors next to Rudy Gobert role or mm-hmm. guy, guys like that who can who can at least add to the dimensions of the team. He's not just a backup center. Yeah, Todd um, Gibson esque in that regard, where you can yeah, put him yeah. as a veteran presence and a toughness factor at any point. And his ability to stay with those guys athletically, I think, is I more valuable than the BAE suggests. Like, I think I, I would pay. But the market the, dictation, that's the difference here, is who the hell is paying for any backup big men this year? Nobody uh, has money for this. Well, I think that you might find the Lakers are going to go after Tristan Thompson. Okay, year. but but you have Derek Favors, Marc Gasol, Aaron Baines, Bismack Biombo, Alex Lynn, Nerlens Noel, Tristan Thompson, Myers Leonard, Willie Cauley Stein, all his options. That's nine guys. That they, they ain't signing. Like there's gonna be so many available bigs on the market. This is honestly the backup big part is the least of my concerns. It's the furthest down my priority list. So the shot blocking okay. I have devalued in terms of shot making. I've devalued shot, like shot blocking for Are you a long here, time. I can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out there. I got you now. What's up? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm here. Uh, no, I, I'm. I'm with you though. I think. I think uh, rebounds are overrated. I think. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I've always thought this, but I also care about Jeremy Grant's value, so I, I kind of have to. Uh, I also think that uh, shot blocking is a little bit overrated, especially when you're the Nuggets and. Nikola Jokic is always going to be your center. Like, like that's just you just have to play rotational defense around the perimeter and just pray. Like that's that's most of the, <laughs> what you have to do. So, like it's not going to be like you can't just you can't just magically have guys cover from the three point line to the rim. Yeah, all the time. So it is what it is. But I don't know. I, I 
if, if it were up to me, my plan for the Nuggets would be to add Tristan Thompson on the MLE, the full okay. MLE. And then it's a lot of money for Thompson, but yeah, okay. It's it, it's you'd go a couple years. I don't think you would go like, like it's like two years, twenty million essentially is like the yeah. nice round number for everybody to hear. Which really isn't that much money. It is and, enough. And then, would, <laughs> and, and then I would go. Well, I I would take a crumb of that. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I would also explore the trade market at shooting guard. So who would you look at? Because I had some MLE targets for shooting guard slash wings that I think could be very, very nice for Denver. Guys like Bogdanovich and Bogdan Bogdanovich and uh, Davis Bertans if the market just tanks on him. Or if Ben McLemore happens to be a potential trade target because he's unguaranteed on Houston who is probably going to cut a lot of money. Like There's some Mo Harkless, guys like that. Let's talk about Bogdanovich real quick because okay. I think he's a guy who, as a Serbian player, is a guy yeah, who Bogdan, like, Bogdan, he's, Bogdan, he's got a clear. and Bogdan. Yes, uh, yes. Boyan is on a four-year deal. Yeah. He's he's locked in. You he's said not trade, so I, I threw him out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I think I think Bogdan because he is a restricted free agent. He mm-hmm. is a potential option for a team like the Nuggets. Although we did just see them trade Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, and those are kind of in the same mold as as wings who you would want like. In, in that situation that you're probably just not going to be able to afford. So my question to you is, what do you think Bogdan's going to get? And can the Nuggets afford what he's going to get? So this is the biggest thing when talking about free agency is we have no fucking idea what the markets are going to look like for any player because we don't know how much <laughs> money owners are going to be willing to spend. Like, yeah. I don't care what the salary cap comes out to. Owners are going to spend less this year regardless of how much they are willing or able to spend. They are not going to be wanting to because they just lost hundreds of millions of dollars. So when I start t- discussing market value – it depends on the market that exists for said player. These are all going to be um, negotiations driving up very low ball numbers. That is going to be this free agency period. And that is going to be fascinating because I don't think very many people are going to want guys who can't play two or three because he's you know a little bit too big for the two, can't play. He's, he's not a starter necessarily, but he's too small to, play, to actually play forward. So what is his value really right now? He's also a bench guy. So I think Denver could get bogged on on the MLE. That wouldn't surprise me if he took a two-year MLE deal on a contender to raise his value, get out of this chaos, and then re-sign a deal at age 28, entering his prime. Like That makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, and and how I would counter that is he's a restricted free agent. So Mm -hmm. it may not be up to him where he wants to go. And if, if he wants to sign for the MLE, I think the Sacramento Kings would be pretty happy about retaining him at that amount of money. Yes, for sure. And it's good, but that's going to be interesting because people aren't very happy in Sacramento right now. There's a lot of change going on. Yeah, so no, nobody's really happy. <laughs> yeah. So I do think that there's a, there is more potential than most restricted free agency markets to be able to get guys cheaper than you intended, which isn't very common in, in restricted free agency. Okay, so let's let's put him on the list. Let's put him on a list yeah. as a guy who maybe makes sense for the Nuggets. Now, I don't know if it makes that much sense because, like we just said, we talked about Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Monte Morris, and P.J. Dozier all deserving rotation time. Yeah. And so if you add Bogdan Bogdanovich to that, he basically PJ's kind of mirrors – yeah, PJ's out at that point. Don't get me wrong, but like that's still five guys for like two and a half spots because one of those guys will slide to the three a little bit. But like Porter's still going to play most of that time. Yeah. So, and I wouldn't I, be I surprised if that was like a precursor to a trade of Gary Harris. Like you don't make that kind of a trade unless you're going to move on from somebody. In my opinion, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Can I bring up one more name that I'm curious? But what you think about sure. Justin Holiday? As a three-wing, shot like 42% from three this year, by the way. Very, very underrated. That's a guy I think that Denver could grab on the MLE as well if they can't get a guy like Gallo. Yeah, he's a guy that I think it makes sense if you make a trade mm-hmm. for, let's just say, his brother, Drew Holiday. And <laughs> you trade you trade a couple of the backcourt guys. I tried guys. not to go there, but yeah. you already have wandered into you, it. You, so. you, trade, you trade a couple of the backcourt guys and say, hey, okay, we're, we're going to go forward with Murray, Drew, Porter, 
Grant Jokic, and then one of PJ and Monte is going to be the backup power or the backup point guard. Yeah, and we'll we'll figure out the backup big situation with a different thing. But then you had a wing like Justin Holiday, who's defensive minded. He would fit well pretty much on any team. Is an off ball wing who does a lot of the hard work. On he's very Mikel Bridges esque in terms of yeah. what people. Yeah, like I really like yeah. what he brings. And so you you add him to a rotation like that, and you feel pretty good about your chances. I'm I'm yeah. I'm with you there. I think he's a he's obviously a good fit. I don't know if he makes sense with the way the roster is currently oriented, but yeah. we'll see if that changes down the line. For sure, for sure. So we have talked a whole lot about my thing, which we completely got off of in terms of talking about Anthony Davis, and we didn't even really get there. So let's let's are there any but is there anybody out there that you think that denver can acquire who is an anthony davis counter let's just try and answer that question because i don't uh, think so. okay i i want to let's let's start the conversation with bull bull uh he's a basically he's going to be in his rookie year next year like they're, they're not counting his rookie year in the bubble i agree and that that was to oh no like that's actually le- legitimate yeah. like legally they're not counting the guys like bull bull in the bubble uh, so he's going to be a rookie. He's also going to be on a two-way contract. So we'll see if they actually convert his contract at some point. It's only 50K guaranteed. I can't imagine CAA is happy about that. So, Oh, uh, yeah. I think they're probably <laughs> going to want to upgrade that just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in terms of other guys outside, like, and I think that he's got a decent chance to guard a guy like Anthony Davis in his prime. But he's not in his prime yet. Yeah. He's still a string bean. He's still a guy who's learning a lot. He does have the physical tools to match up with a guy like Davis, and those physical tools are shared by like four other people in the NBA, uh, Giannis being one of them. Mm. But I don't know. I think that Giannis is a guy that can guard Anthony Davis. I think that's <laughs> it's, uh, for you. it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, like Bam Adebayo, healthy Bam Adebayo, maybe. Oh, oh my God! Yes, he could though. Bam is. Yeah, I, th- I think he Great. could. Uh, can Miles Turner do it? No. Then I think he's off the table as a trade. But not player. in terms of like, yeah, because like, again, you're not, it's not enough because you're giving up so much to get a guy like Miles Turner. Honestly, mm-hmm. the Miles Turner deal is probably a Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner sign and trade. That's probably the most realistic way to get a guy like that. So like, I don't think that what yeah. you're going to be doing to get him is beneficial to you anyway. So like, Correct. that's why when I start looking at finding a counter for AD, I just throw it out and, and think that Denver needs to be the best version of themselves, not build their team with the idea of Anthony Davis so in mind. Yeah, so Joel Embiid is another guy who can guard him. Uh, <laughs> ben Simmons. No, no yeah. let, let's talk about this one because people have brought this up. <laughs> ben Simmons is a guy who could defend an Anthony Davis and could do a damn good job of it and could also give you a whole lot of point of attack defense if Anthony Davis is not on the floor. Would you be willing to trade one of Michael or Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray to get Ben Simmons? Four. One of. One oh, of. God. Very uh, clearly I'm- one of. I am not trading Jamal Murray, and you know that. I know like, you're not. One of the two of them. If, if, if you think that Ben Simmons is a generational defender, a guy who can play one through five on the defensive end of the floor, and you just figure it out, he, he plays, whether he's in the dunker spot with them. I, I, just, I just don't know how you fit that in offensively, man. Like, like what are I you going to do long-term with Murray and Jokic and and then putting Ben Simmons into that equation, like how do you how do you even like manufacture that? Like, what does that look like? There are so many things that you can do. That it's just getting people willing to do a lot of different things. Like the idea of screen and roll with Jokic and Ben, regardless if you invert it or not, is just so enticing. Could you imagine Jamal Murray running a ghost screen on Ben Simmons guy, getting a switch on a power forward and cooking him? Like there are so many ways that you could conceivably make it happen. It requires a lot of player buy-in. But there are ways that you can make that work offensively and make it beautiful in my eyes. Okay, so what does that deal look like? Let's let's humor this tragedy of a trade <laughs> that you've come up with. Uh, okay, so and again, I haven't like broken down the nuts and bolts of this <laughs> trade here. This is just an idea of an Anthony Davis counter that is potentially on the market that Denver could get. So it's not Jamal. If they're going to trade anybody, it's Michael Porter. That's where my mind is currently at. You're not trading Jamal anyway, so let's just remove Jamal from the equation. Michael yeah, so Porter thinking- Jr., Gary Harris, Will Barton, probably just for salary filler, and however you make that work. Salary yeah, filler. and then you, you, you get Ben Simmons, and you get... I'm taking Matisse Teibel back, too. Uh, <laughs> and then that's, that's where, yeah. we're, that's where we're, we're at with that. So if, if, 
if I were to do Gary so Harris, how many picks would you be willing Porter, to send? That's Will where Barton, the conversation gets. Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul, you have Murray, Ben, and Jokic. With oh, Grant, God, and you have Grant as probably Barton as your three. Well, you just traded Barton. Oh um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so but, whoa, been waiting in the wings to be a small forward, as Tim Connolly prophesized. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's your shooting guard now. <laughs> uh, but but no, like again, you can find a wing. You can find a replacement level wing that you can throw in there because you're not looking for a lot of oomph from your three anymore. Because you have the downhill threat, you have your perimeter threat, you have your Jokic threat, which whatever the hell you want to quantify as the Jokic threat. So you can just find a shooter, Solomon freaking Hill. Like, I don't care who you put the three there as long as they can at least stretch the floor a little bit in that regard. You have a true defensive ability there to contend with the LeBron James and Anthony Davis team, with the Kawhi and Paul George team, with the Pascal Siakam and Kawhi team, if they stay together, with any of these kinds of dominating matchups, like Chris Middleton and Giannis. Like, you can match up with that all of a sudden. Like, Denver has never had the ability to ever think that they can match up in that regard. Ben Simmons does create it. I think of Ben Simmons, and again, this goes back to my guy, Jonathan Drugs, who I know you did not agree with the trade proposal, but the idea of a Sean Marion, Ben Simmons kind of um, parallels that exist in trying to make Dirk into who Dirk became and trying to have Jokic follow a similar path. It makes a lot of sense to me. Lord, oh God, it's it's so painful because <laughs> if like you want it, to defend AD, man, you gotta. This is how you do it. It's really enticing. Like I, I, I'm with you on it. That it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense. I don't think the Sixers I didn't expect this reaction it. from you. Like, by the way, I like, thought you were going to yell at me. I'm still debating it. Um, yeah. Still debating yelling at you. I also don't know um, if Seventy Sixers would take it for just Porter. That's another whole part of this. Like. Dude who had two back surgeries before being able to drink alcohol and has played one season of basketball. Like there's a lot on the table yeah. there, but Simmons is no longer the picture of glowing health. And I, I yeah. although if you go with Embiid and Porter as your no. as your core, <laughs> I'm not having this conversation. Like, uh, I, I appreciate you okay. for having mine. I don't know if I can get yeah. you with the Embiid one. I don't know if yeah. I have the capacity here, to do that. Here, I'm going to say no, and here's why: the Nuggets found a formula that got them to the conference finals. I don't think they need to drastically affect what they're doing, and they could ha- they have found money in Porter and Bull off their benches, or like like as yeah. young pieces that could continue to contribute and develop. Like if you give up all of that and give up your entire structure in order to get a guy that you don't know if it's going to work or not, I think it's tough. Yeah, I agree with that. This is like a we're all in this year move. That's not a let's not skip steps move. Like I'm, I'm well, well aware crazy? of the optics behind you it. You know what's crazy is that it, it's you're all in this year, but like you also just added Ben Simmons to Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, and Simmons like, and Murray oh, have the same 25. contract. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like they're all like super young and, and have the like I don't know. It's it's probably it's it's clearly a moot point. That's not going to happen. But like I I trust Porter's talent. And I trust his ability to work next to Murray and Jokic. That much I, I do genuinely believe in. And I just don't feel like giving that up for pretty much anybody at this point, especially anybody with questions. It's that back. I'm always going to be concerned about that back of Porter's. I, I, I don't have, I mean, how do you have faith in a dude who potentially might not play more than 10 years? We don't know. Like he well, doesn't I, know. None of we us hear know. From- we hear from a lot of former executives of former team personnel who say, "Oh, if you only had a look at the the if you only had a look at the medical." Well, I'm sure that they're all going to say that because they all passed on him. But also, like I had heard before, he had gotten drafted that the medical was like disastrous. And again, a medical when you're injured and young and not fully developed is very up for debate. But I heard it was horrific as well, like way before he got drafted. So I I, I do wonder if that's going to be part of this conversation. And let's be honest, Arturis Karnaschovas has been the biggest Michael Porter Jr. supporter in that front office, and he is now gone. I'm not saying they they don't support him. That's absolutely not the truth. Tim Connolly loves what Michael Porter Jr. can bring, but Calvin Booth might bring a different voice into this conversation. That wouldn't surprise me either. So it's not off the table, I don't think, but it's also very, very much so a speculation conversation. Okay, this is making me uncomfortable, but I have to. We have to go forward with it. We have to keep talking about it. So one of the piece, one of the things that I was talking about was, or one of my topics. I don't want to pivot to mine. Okay, was yeah, how aggressive? Anyway. How aggressive do the Nuggets want to be to win a championship? And that's the the primary question. You can go a lot of different ways with that. That's 
Do you want to trade the young pieces for a star? Do you want to trade the current pieces for a star? Do you want to pivot and just go a completely different direction, believing that you have Murray and Jokic and like that, like everybody else around that is kind of like, eh, I don't know, because I think there you discovered some things about the roster this year that like, there's a lot of guys that are important, but in the end, it's like for the past two postseasons, it's been Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Yeah. And you found that Jeremy Grant was a really good on ball defender. And he, like, you kind of need on ball defenders in order to make <laughs> it just work. Kind like, of important in playoff so, basketball. <laughs> that's three guys. That's yeah. three guys. Yeah. You haven't figured out if Gary Harris is necessary or not. You haven't yeah. figured out if Will Barton is necessary or not. You know that Paul Millsap is not necessary. Yeah. You know that. You know that Mason Plumley's not necessary. You kind of have a feeling that Monte Morris or PJ Dozier or Michael Porter Jr., like, like there's a lot of guys who could be considered unnecessary pieces, or maybe they're at least not untouchable or infallible. So I, I want to get your opinion on that. Like, is anybody like who are what, who, what's the untouchable list for this Nuggets team? So the untouchable list that I have been told, which is subject to change because this is the NBA, again, making that very clear that untouchable players get traded all the time. But my untouchable list as of right now that I have been told is Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. And that is the end of the list. Um, They're not trading Will Barton for nothing. They're not trading Bull Bull for nothing. But like, if a star was available and they needed to pick salary together, they're willing to use those other guys to be able to accomplish that goal if they deem it worthy of it. But Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray are the only three in the past three months that have been indicated to me as untouchable. But again, that is all subject to change in the next five hours at this point. Now, let's say... Let's say you're the Nuggets and and you have to figure out, okay, hey, the Philadelphia 76ers call you, but they're not calling you for Ben Simmons, so don't don't even get it there. But they're calling you about Josh Richardson. They they want to do a Josh Richardson for Will Barton swap. And you're thinking, okay, does this help the Nuggets? How much does this help the Nuggets? And you start to think, okay, well, is Gary Harris going to be around long term? Is Will Barton going to be around long term? what is the ideal piece to fit in between Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. who can defend guards, who can handle the ball a little bit, who can play make a little bit, not necessarily be asked to do a lot, but you're asking them to do a little bit and you feel comfortable with that. How many guys are better at that than Josh Richardson? Will Barton, on the other hand, makes a lot of sense with a team like the Sixers, who they're going to need some pull-up three threats. They're going to need some guys who can space the floor around Joel Embiid and can be playmakers and can be creators and can be dynamic with the uh, with the ball in their hands so i've i've had this thought kicking around in my head that hey there are ways that you really start to think about how like how aggressive you want to be with building the roster because there are there are pieces out there that may fit the roster a little bit better than they do right now the josh richardson thing is harder for me because he's more of a specialist than people realize in my opinion like he has offensive skills he can hit open threes when they're, when they're off the catch he can create offense for others will is significantly more uh comfortable in that offensive role than josh richardson is and i put a massive amount of value of being able to create on the other side of the floor if the jamal murray and nicole Jokic dho does not go somewhere so i put more value in terms of keeping will and the continuity and the leadership he brings than just trying to bring in a guy like josh richardson who adds more defensively than you currently have i just don't the conversation gets a lot more tricky when you start bringing in bigger names for me zach levine this is a that name doesn't I, get, that doesn't get tricky for me at all but but go ahead this has been kicked around by the nuggets i believe it was reported by a national guy during the trade deadline i can't remember this is what i will say for sure because i have said this on my podcast and we're technically on mine still i don't know whose podcast we're doing but i think it's mine but i know for a fact that they had it not interest but had tooled around toyed around with the idea of bringing zach levine to denver at the trade deadline last year because they couldn't get drew holiday it wasn't happening zach levine was an interesting thought if you're just going to go all in on offense and you're going to go all in on how are we going to make Jokic as just versatilely dominant as we can possibly do, I like the idea of just going all in that direction and getting a guy like Zach Levine to literally just fly off DHOs or hit threes from anywhere he wants in the court because he can do exactly that at an elite level. So let's let's morph this to the Zach Levine side of things instead of the Josh Richardson, literally the inverse player. How do you think that would work in comparison? 
I think it's a lot worse. I think I'd, I'd I know you have Josh Richardson. You, 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 yeah. Well, no, no, it's it's not that. It's just that like Jamal Murray has proven that he's a better player than Zach Levine. Like, yeah, that's fair. He's proven that. And and the Nuggets don't need another version of Jamal Murray. That's kind of like a pseudo version of him. And because they both fill a similar role as like the primary guard, who the primary scoring guard who does a little bit of playmaking and spaces the floor on the perimeter and handles the ball a lot. Like I don't think you can have two of those guys unless they're like unless one of them is going to like. And I think Murray's by far the better defender than Levine. But you also don't yes. want Murray on your primary defensive player, the, the primary agree. defensive assignment. So, but you have the I size difference is the big part of this. Like, again, why I've heard that it makes sense from the Nuggets point of view is that they believe that there is more defensive capability within Zach Levine, especially within their defensive scheme, and that he would be able to play more of an off-ball role than he has in his career. Okay. I mean, they can, <laughs> they can think that. They can okay. think that. But again, I think like, that's fine. But you're 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 talking about building a championship contender, and yeah. he does not have the championship DNA. But like this a, is the swing. Fact. This is the home run swing. This these are the kind of aggressive decisions that you need to make to see if you really do have what it takes to win a title. So again, I'm not saying it's the right decision. It's another part of the conversation. Yeah. And the reason I brought it up is I don't think Josh Richardson or Zach Levine does enough to override what you already have going to take that kind of a risk. I don't think it's enough. I don't. So why upset the apple cart when you're not moving the needle in any dramatic direction? Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that for sure. And there would be like, I think my, I think my thinking with a deal like that is that if you get into a financial situation where you can't pay Gary Harris anymore to be that guy and you, you have to reorient that money or let's say Jeremy Grant walks. Like the, 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 the scenario, the, the stair steps to scenario that I've had in my head is that, okay, Jeremy Grant walks, you trade Gary Harris to Orlando for Aaron Gordon, and you build a package around that. Then you trade Will Barton for Josh Richardson. And then you start Murray, Josh Richardson, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. Those are five players who could potentially stand on a basketball court together. <laughs> I'm not sure how else they fit together, but it does fit. I am terrified about the idea of people who are shooters who are very ineffective shooters sometimes. Josh Richardson is extremely streaky. Aaron Gordon is all over the place. Who I has any idea where he actually falls in a consistent level, but that's a, that's a, that's it leads me very well into my next concern for this offseason, which is turning over the roster without upsetting the chemistry. I don't think that, that makes any sense for the chemistry, for the culture, or for the on-court play. I don't know how that is more worth it than just coming back, running it back, signing a guy like Daniel Gallinari into the grant and just seeing what you got. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I understand what you're saying. And that's definitely the rosterbation mindset in me of like, of yeah. like trying to visualize uh, how do you replace a guy when, when they're walking away and how do you replace, I mean, cause Look, if Grant walks, that's something that you can't control. You got to find somebody. Like you got to find somebody who can replace him, and that's just that's one that's one way that you replace a guy like that. Because like, how else are you going to replace Grant if you don't go find a trade piece? You have to go a different direction as the way that you're going to try and play basketball that season. Because you're not going to find anybody who can replicate what he can do on the on the, the the defensive end of the floor. Like you can't. He's so unique in what he brings to a team. Yeah, I I think I I circled two guys who have the ability to do that. And it's Aaron Gordon and potentially Kelly Oubre as a perimeter defender. I like Kelly who, Oubre, but I don't know if I'm there with Gordon. Why though? Because he's first of all doesn't have the size. He's not as tall he's or as long. Yeah, but Grant's like a very, very large six nine with like a seven two wingspan. The difference in impact of that size compared to this to Aaron Gordon, who is not that kind of guy. He's a bruiser. He's not a lengthy, rangy defender. He never has been. Even but in college, need, he wasn't that so, guy. So when you talk about a guy like like. Like he the can't tag he, the, the roller and get to and get out to a relocating shooter. There are so going few to do that. Guys, if he's on the weak side of the court, he would be. Yes, he would. But, but he's defend like he's he is your on ball defender. I think that's concerning as well because I don't think that he's as good of an on ball defender as any as people give him credit for. I really don't think he's that great as an on ball defender. Okay, well maybe maybe that's the case. I think that people would say the same thing about Grant. People would say the same thing about a guy like that who about Jeremy like, Grant. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who think that he's overrated. There's a lot of people that think that he like his metrics say that he's a bad defender. Yeah, they but Kawhi that. Leonard has a, had, a, had a higher defensive rating with him on the floor than the Spurs did without him, and that's not a Kawhi Leonard's a bad defender. I when when you talk about team building, you talk about like the positions that you're trying to fill. When you talk about the matching up with a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George or a Luka Doncic or a guy like that. I circle like six guys, maybe who could who could potentially do that. OG Ananobi's one of them. Ben yeah, Simmons I'm surprised you have Aaron Gordon on the list. That's just the word. I think I, like. I think Aaron Gordon's at least on the borderline of that list. I don't know yeah. if he's perfect, but he's like if you could get that for Gary Harris, who we just talked about, inconsistent shooters who aren't shooting that well. Yeah, like, for sure. That's a guy. Like like I don't I don't know. I think you got you got to find ways to pivot, and you got to find ways that if if Grant were to walk. You have to have the ability to go different directions. And that's one such direction. Like, I do think that they would just stock wings at that point. Like you just go get Mo Harkless and you go get Jay Crowder and you go get Kendrick Williams on a, on a minimum. And you just stock your roster full of bigger wings who can switch. Maybe. And maybe that's the direction that they should go. I don't know. But like it's, <laughs> we, we, you just talked about, uh, Aaron Gordon as an inconsistent shooter. Jay Crowder is an inconsistent <laughs> okay, shooter. Okay, like, but, like, but it takes a lot more to get in Aaron shooter. Gordon. Okay, like we're, we're talking Does about it? like upsetting the chemistry of the team to turn over the roster to try something new. Like that is okay. the way that we're framing this right now. So that's why I do think that making that kind of a move for a guy like Aaron Gordon, who I think would take a lot more than just Gary Harris to get, by the way, um, I think that is concerning as opposed to just adding dudes in free agency to what you already have. So let's talk about chemistry then. What like I, I keep hearing people talking about upsetting the chemistry. I keep hearing people say, "Hey, this is something that we have to be concerned about. This is something that we have to at least be mindful of." And say, "Hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna go into this season, and we don't want to upset the chemistry." Who are the chemistry guys on the Nuggets? Will Barton. Jeremy Grant and Gary Harris, those two together, which is a surprising addition, but they kind of make up the calm, laid back demeanor that has kind of percolated through this Denver Nuggets, you know, locker room. They really do kind of embody that idea. So I think Will Barton is number one. Then you have that kind of calmness, and then you have Jamal Murray in those needed moments of the rah rah moments. And that's kind of where you get the emotional leadership of this team. That's where I see it existing. So is Monte Morris not a part of that? I think he is, but I don't think he's in the top third of the leadership of this team. I think he's important. See, this, this is where it gets interesting because how, how much more important are guys three, four, five, and six combined compared to one, two, and three in the overall pecking order of this culture? This whole group has only existed in the NBA together. That is something that I think we don't value enough, and that could change the way that they approach a potential shift in the culture. They don't know basketball without these guys at the professional level. So I kind of I so here let me let me let me counter with this. Like this team also did start with Daniel Gallinari on it. This team also started with Wilson Chandler and uh, Kenneth Fareed and like the, the Darrell Arthur and Jameer Nelson and DJ Augustine. They've had their veterans. They've had a lot of guys that they've cycled through. And from Jamal Murray forward, to, though, it's yeah. just Jameer. A, That's like really the only of, guy. I don't know. They've had a lot of different different iterations of veterans who have been on the roster. Like Mike Miller was on the roster at one point. DJ Augustine was on the roster at one point. Uh, Jameer Nelson, and they, they've had different pieces. The Darrell, like I, I think Darrell Arthur, like that's a main veteran that you talk about. Mason Plumley has been on this roster for a long time, but we're not talking about Mason Plumley potentially being lost, even though he's been on the roster for three and a half years. These guys have to know that it's not always going to be just this group together. Like, and they do know that, but we still have to look at what the impact could be to specifically this group if they're not. Like, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are borderline best friends. Will Barton and Gary Harris have shared a locker and a speed on the plane next to each other for their entire careers other than, other than when Will was in Portland for that, like, year and a half stretch. They exist together in everything. Tory Craig hangs out with all of these dudes as his closest core group of friends. Tory Craig was just voted the seventh best teammate in basketball. Like, I think that we're underrating what removing one of those guys, Will Barton, Tory Craig, Gary Harris, any of them. I think that there is more of an impact on this particular group because of the way that they have com- you know, come into the league together that shifts things differently than it normally would in a business sense. Yeah, and I take it, I take it a different direction because 
we've we've talked about how Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have been the centerpieces of the playoff runs every single time. I think you can get around like if if you move on from a couple of the other guys and bring in another couple of guys, like I think I feel like that's just proper locker room dynamics. That's proper like like Kyle Lowry, for example, he was like best friends with DeMar DeRozan, still his best friends with DeMar DeRozan, but they had to trade DeMar DeRozan in order to win a championship. And it took Kyle Lowry they were a tough like 12, time. You know, 10 years into the league at that point. Like this is so different for a young Nuggets team that has literally gone through every little bit of this together. I do feel it. That's I don't know if it's different. I, I think I, I really do. Well, you don't, you don't think trading your best friend is, is the same. I do. I do, but I think as a near 30-year-old 30 30-year-old 30 adult who has been around the league for almost a decade would have a much better perception of that than Jamal Murray would. Like, I, I really do. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, 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 think that, fascinating. I think that he, he has to... I think Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic in particular, I, think, I do think that they understand that you have to... Like, you, you will continue to have to make trades in order to upgrade to be a championship contender. Yeah. Like... I don't think sitting on their hands is the way to win this. It's, it's the way to win a championship. Yeah. Like, and I, I agree that's, with that's, that. Like, I think this team is one piece away and you have to be willing to give up whatever that piece is in order to make it work. Like, it, like it's, it's going to take a concession. It's going to take the ability to look at it through. Like, I don't think that losing two guys is going to hurt them. It, maybe it depends on which two guys it is. Maybe it depends on, on which two guys are, are lost in that situation. But if you bring back Paul Millsap and you bring back Monte Morris and maybe you bring back even Torrey Craig and you say, hey, look, these are some of, here are some of our culture guys and we're going to ask Jamal Murray to really step into the emotional leadership role. I think the team's okay with that. Maybe, and maybe you're right. I, I just think that we're, we need to wait and see how it happens first because we don't have a good enough idea of where they're at. And these guys went through more together throughout the past four or five months than I could possibly conceive of being in that bubble together and everything that they have had to struggle through. So we need to just wait and see. I think that there is a very realistic opportunity that you are right, that they, these guys do get it because championships are not one without sacrifice, full stop. And I don't know what it'll take or what the sacrifice will manifest as, but that's going to be the next growth of this young Denver Nuggets team, which is still stupid young, is them understanding that they have to be able to be professionals regardless of who is in that locker room. And that's going to be a whole new thing for them. Yeah, if, if Paul Millsap decides, I mean, because it's very it's very possible that he decides to retire. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's going to retire, but like I, I wrote about it today in, in, in the Nuggets profile on Denver Stiffs. So like, like he could potentially retire. He is 185th all-time in total regular season minutes and 125th all-time in playoff minutes. So like yeah. he's been around the block. He's seen a lot of things. And though he wants to, like, I'm sure he still wants to win a ring. Like, he, like he's been there in the league for a long time, man. Like, anything can happen in this league. Torrey Craig could walk. Jeremy Grant could say no. Everybody could all of a sudden be gone. They have to find five new guys and all of a sudden completely retool half the roster, essentially, because the other half are guys who are like Vlatko, Keita, Bol and PJ, who aren't necessarily like the core fabric of what makes your team your team. So like, there's going to be a lot happening here, and it's going to be fascinating, and I cannot wait to see how Denver approaches arguably the most important offseason in their franchise history. I'm willing to go there at this point. I really think that it's on that list. I'm not saying it's number one. It's on the list, though, of their you know what three opportunities before they've gone to the western conference finals and then turned back around to try and find their way back so we'll have to wait and see i'm with you man i think this is the most important and that's the reason why we're spending as much time on this as we are because this is a a potential opportunity that they've never had before like yeah. with as young talent as they have as much talent as they have as as well as that talent fits together both on and off the floor like i think it it makes a lot of sense for them to go forward and just be aggressive and try and go go for it and and don't be don't be shy about about the ability to bring a championship to an organization that has never had a championship before yeah you can't be fair you cannot be scared to fail at this point you have to try yeah so is I'm that all you man. got is yeah, that I, 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 I was thinking about talking true holiday trades or whatnot, in, but like, so. I, I don't, I don't care. Like, like we're good. So yeah. it's, it's all, it's all good. So Dude, this is a ton hey, of fun. 
seriously a ton of fun and then go listen to part one on the denver stiffs podcast network it's there waiting for you we got into just as much stuff in his episode as well all separate from what we talked about in this one but this portion has been the rocky mountain hoops podcast and i thank you guys for hanging out ryan tell them where everything is where, where all of you guys are at you can find me at NBA Blackburn on Twitter and just go over to denverstiffs.com. If you're wanting to listen to part one, it's, it's on at the, it's at the Denver Stiffs podcast network on Apple podcasts on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, basically you can find it. Just look up Denver Stiffs podcast network and you'll be able to find it. It'll be linked in the podcast description and the article for the podcast on mile high sports. So if you're listening to this, it should be literally right in front of you. So go listen to part (laughs) one, go subscribe to their podcast, go support Denver Stiffs because they do awesome local work. Ryan, thank you for talking for three hours with me. That was fun. Thanks for having me on TJ. Always a pleasure. Wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action, especially at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get it on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, and even coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, divisions, championship futures all day every day head to bet online today take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses and don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts Thank you all again for sticking around with this podcast throughout this insane season. We're just getting started with off-season coverage. It's going to ramp up a bunch. I'm going to have my part two of my off-season primer on Mile High Sports dropping either today on Friday at some point or Saturday morning, and then I will have part three dropping on Monday. To then follow up, I will have a podcast outlining the entire damn like 10,000 words that I wrote. So we're going to have so many more conversations about the off-season, possible free agent acquisitions, uh, which free agents Denver is going to have to figure out and things along those lines. But without any further ado, please make sure you go check out Ryan Blackburn, the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network, and the Denver Stiffs Show because they do awesome work over there. They've been doing great local media work forever. So definitely make sure you make them part of your daily Nuggets routine. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am TJ McBride. You can find me on Twitter at TJ McBride. Yay! This podcast is, in, is on every single platform that you know, houses podcasts, and that's all we got. We're going to have more coming very, very soon, but keep wearing a mask. Stay, stay safe out there. Remember that black lives always matter, and we will talk to you guys again shortly. Have a good one.